The scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Three more verses from the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, So whenever you give money to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give money to the poor... Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your arms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow before God in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, help us in this moment to bring our lives before your gaze. Help us to be reminded of the depth of your love for us and your provision for our lives. And help us to know that you have a a word for each of us that meets us where we are and that helps us to grow as we follow on the path that Jesus has set before us. In his name we pray. Amen. Through the fall and through the winter, our sermons have focused on the key teaching of Jesus in a section of Scripture that we call the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew's Gospel. Absolutely critical to know and understand 
as we follow our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus covers a lot of territory in this particular section of Scripture. He speaks about the fundamental principles of a happy life in the Beatitudes. He speaks about the importance of being effective in our public lives when he uses the images of salt and light. He speaks about controlling our thought life, our inner life, when he says that the commandment not to murder is not just about killing somebody literally, but it's about our anger and our feelings towards others on the inside. He speaks about the authority of the Scripture for our lives when he affirms that the books of our Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, are still God's Word for us today. He speaks about the overtly spiritual life when he teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Some people ask, where do you find that? Well, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he teaches his disciples to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, and he emphasizes later, as we heard last week, that we're to ask and we're to seek and we're to knock before the throne of God's grace when we come to God in prayer. Next Sunday, we actually come to the end of our series of sermons in this Sermon on the Mount of Jesus, and we are going to be thinking about Jesus' famous words about judging, judge not that you be not judged. But today, we cover another area, as I've already mentioned, another area of life in which Jesus is interested. He's not just interested in some of our lives, but in all of our lives. And so the focus is on our financial lives. Jesus' focus is on our financial lives. He talks about money, about what we truly treasure, and how we use what we have. So let me urge you to take out the sermon notes it's not an outline of today's sermon, but it's the breadth of Jesus' teaching on money. In fact, not everything, but a significant number of scriptures in which Jesus speaks about this particular subject. And if you're watching online, there's a button to press to download the sermon notes there as well. So Jesus speaks about our financial life, and I want to repeat for you some of the words we just heard in Matthew chapter 6 and at verse 19, Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven before God where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So as I've already said, last Sunday we talked about prayer. Jesus talks about prayer. We might expect Jesus to talk about prayer. Jesus is, after all, a religious leader, and prayer is an essential part of pretty much every faith's religious and spiritual life. But one of the most fascinating things, for me at least, about the teaching of Jesus as a whole is that he speaks about money far more than he speaks about prayer. He speaks about money far more than he speaks about prayer, not only when he's speaking directly about the place and the use of money, finances within our lives, but when he's using our finances, when he's using money as an illustration of some broader spiritual principle. And you can get the breadth and the length of this if you do look at the sermon notes, take them home with you, read through them. Most famously, I suppose, Jesus speaks about money in what we call the parable of the talents. This is a story about a master who has some servants, and he entrusts his servants with a certain number of talents, five talents, two talents, one talent, before he leaves on a journey. And he tells them that in his absence, he's not going to micromanage them, 
but they're on their own to do with what he has entrusted to them as they ought to do. And he goes away and he leaves them. And then when he returns, two of them have done their job without having to have the master hanging over them, telling them what to do. And one of them has not done his job at all. He's buried his talent in the ground. And there's a clear message here about being self-starters. Jesus wants us to be self-starters, a tremendously important uh, principle. We don't wait for a specific word about everything in life, but we bring everything in life before God, whether God is immediately apparent to us or not, seems far away or not, and we get on with the business of following our Lord Jesus Christ. This is of interest to Jesus that we are self-starters like this, and that we use our time and our talents, everything that we have in the service of our one true master. But something that I think we often miss, and I certainly in my preaching in the past have often missed this, is that when Jesus' original hearers heard this story, they would not, first of all, have heard the story in terms of talents as we normally understand them the giftedness that we have within our lives. So that is clearly there, and that is clearly important. But they would have heard this story in terms of money. That's what they would have heard, because a talent was a sum of money. Jesus might as well have said dollars rather than talents, though a talent is $20,000 in our day's money. So Jesus is actually speaking about servants who were entrusted with 100000 with 40,000 and with $20,000, significant amounts entrusted to their care. And this use of money as an illustration of money and then much more than that, well, it comes to Jesus' mind because he knows his Old Testament scripture. He knows what the scripture says about money within our lives. He's picking up on great themes, especially that we find, for example, in the book of Psalms that Everything that we have belongs to God, just as that money belonged to the master. It has been entrusted to us to use for God, no matter whether it's a lot or a little. All of it entrusted to us to be used for God. So Psalm 24, for example, says, The earth is the Lord, Lord's and all that is in it. I mean, everything that is in it, the world and those who live in it. And in Psalm 50, God says, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine, everywhere. Look at anything in the world. Whose is it? It belongs to God. So Jesus thinks quite naturally in those terms, whether it's in the parable of the talents or elsewhere in his teaching. Let me give you one more illustration of this. Another famous story of Jesus is what we call the parable of the Good Samaritan. And here, the message is, in fact, more overtly about the use of our wealth, uh, the material possessions, the things that have been given to us. Parable of the Good Samaritan, a man is beaten up on a lonely road and left to die until this man comes along who happens to be a Samaritan. A Samaritan is a person who worships, as it were, at another church. His theology isn't quite right. He's not a full-blown heretic, but he's just not part of our family. And we read that this person does the right thing. And Jesus says this, when the Samaritan saw this beaten up man, 
Number one, he went to him. Number two, he bandaged his wounds. Number three, he poured oil and wine on them. Number four, he put him on his own animals. Number five, he brought him to an inn. Number six, he took care of him. Number seven, the next day, he took out two days' wages. Number eight, he gave them to the innkeeper. Number nine, he said, take care of him. And number ten, he says, when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. In other words, in caring for this man who was beaten up on the side of the road, the Samaritan spared no expense. He cared for him with his time. He went out of his way to care for this particular person. He cared for him with his time, but he also cared for him with his material possessions and with his money. I'm not quite sure whether he was carrying a bandage. I doubt it. He probably had to rip up some clothing that he had with him. He poured oil and wine while he that was what he had, and he used that as an anesthetic. Put him on his own animal, gave him his transportation, brought him to an inn, and forked out the money for whatever cost there was, like a blank check being given to the innkeeper. He didn't say to the innkeeper, here's my limit. He said, take care of him, and when I return, I'll give you the cash that you need in order to make ends meet. And the point of this, this is how we're to love our neighbor. How are we to love our neighbor? Not just with our emotions. We're not just to feel good about our neighbor, though I hope we do, but with our money, with the things entrusted to us. Time, yes. Talents, giftedness, yes. And treasure, God's money. It's not the amount that matters. God's money entrusted to us to be used generously and lavishly for neighbors in need. So in all kinds of ways and places and stories, Jesus shows his interest, not just in those things in our lives which are obviously spiritual, like prayer. Jesus is very interested in those things. But Jesus is interested in our material lives as well, our proper handling of the resources entrusted to our care. And he's interested in our ability to let it go, to live generous lives in his service in response to those who are in need, physically and spiritually. And in our own passage in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus hones in on at least three emphases regarding money, financial resources, that I want us to focus on briefly. The first is this, that our money is of interest to God. What we do with it, how we use it, how we think about it, is of interest to God. This is not immaterial to God, but the materiality of our lives is of material interest to God. Second thing is this, that money is a potential idol that forces us to ask deep questions about our true priorities. What is it that we really love? What is it that we really love and trust in life? And the third thing is this, that our money and what we do with it reveals what we truly love in life and the way we use it changes what we love in life or who we love in life. So God is interested in these things. He's a potential idol. We need to sort out our priorities. Money tells a great story about our lives and has a profound influence in who we become in life. Let's look at these briefly one by one. Let me read again from the beginning of Matthew's gospel, the verses I read a few moments ago. Whenever you give money to the poor, 
It's not if, by the way, it's whenever you do it, it's an expectation from Jesus. Don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. It's okay to thank you, by the way. I'm really grateful, thankful for what you've done, but I don't think that people have done it to be praised by others. Truly, I say that they have received their reward, but when you give money to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your arms, what you give to the poor, may be done in secret. Maybe a spiritual thing between you and God and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you, will respond in an appropriate way. So, Jesus assumes, right from the beginning, that we are, in fact, to use the resources entrusted to our care for caring for others. As Jesus would care for them, we are to use our resources to care for others, to care for the poor, not only literally, but if you go through Scripture quite clearly, for the spiritually poor as well, to enhance our spiritual lives. But we cannot live by bread alone, but only by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And these things are of interest to God. Do it for God, says Jesus, not for others, because it's a part of your relationship in private with God. Let me put it this way. Do you ever ask this question? What must I do today to please God? If you don't ask it, it's a good question to ask. What must I do today to please God? And if you ask that question, then you need to ask yourself, do you ever ask it in terms of money? What am I going to do with the money entrusted to me today to please God, to bring pleasure to God? God is interested in that, very much so. God is interested in that. So that's the first thing. There isn't a part of our lives which is beyond the scope of God's interest in our lives. All of it needs to be brought before God. The second thing is this. Listen again to Jesus' words in Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. Don't worry about your life. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? Of course you are. What Jesus teaches in this whole section, though, is this, that money forces us to sort out, first of all, our priorities. What's the most important thing to us in life? Our true sense of trust and where our sense of our own personal value comes from. Does it really come from God? Do we really believe that we are of value to God and God cares for us enough to remember us by name? And provide for us. Jesus digs deep into our souls to reveal the truth about our lives. Priorities. God or money or whatever else it may be. Think about it, says Jesus. What do you trust in? What do you hope in? God or money or whatever it is. And do you really believe the love of God? We speak about it. God loves me. But do you believe that it is true that God adores you enough to take care of you no matter what? That's the challenge of Jesus here, and it's going to affect everything 
we do with the resources entrusted to us, the answers to these kinds of questions. We've been called not only to believe certain things, we affirm them in the Apostles' Creed, for example, very important, but to trust in the God in whom we believe. And indeed, when it comes to some of the Old Testament scriptures about the use of money, it's this trust issue which is actually central. Who's first? In whom or in what do we place our trust? So in the book of the prophet Malachi, Malachi says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. In this case, one-tenth of what you have, a proportion of your income. It's not the size, it's the proportion. So that there may be food in my house, not just literal bread, though there was what was called the bread of the presence in the house, but food for our souls in the house of God. And thus put me to the test, says the Lord. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down upon you an overflowing blessing. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? I love you. I treasure you. Do you believe that? Then do you trust me? So that's the second thing about the money that God has entrusted to us. The third thing is this, one more word from Jesus in Matthew 6 and at verse 19. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven in the sight of God, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's future tense. May not be there now, but it's going to be there in the future. There your heart will be also. I find this to be one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It doesn't say what I used to think it said. I used to think it said, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Get your heart right, and then your giving will be right. I thought that that's what it used to say. Though that is true, by the way, where your heart is, it will tell you a great deal about your giving. Everybody involved in philanthropy knows this. Find out what motivates somebody. Find out where their heart is, and they're likely to support that endeavor. We give to those things that pull on the strings of our heart. What we do with our money tells us a great deal about who we are. This is not unimportant. But in this case, this is not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is something related but different. He's saying whether or not you want to give, give. Give. And then later, when you, as an act of obedience, give, your heart will follow. You will grow in faith and grace as you give. What you do with your money is not only of interest to God, but is a tool in God's hand to help us to grow in faith and grace. Make that decision, that risky decision to give, that decision which shows you trust God and your faith in God will, in fact, grow. This is what Jesus is saying. It will change you. It will change you for God and for good when you trust God in this way. So this is what Jesus wants us to think about. There's a whole lot more if you look at the insert in your bulletin or the sermon notes that you download. Jesus speaks about this subject again and again because he knows that our spiritual life and our material life are kind of wrapped up with each other. 
But Jesus gives us deep and abiding assurance. When we see that all we have comes from God, it's not ours, does not belong to us. When we begin to understand that Jesus speaks about these things a great deal, Good Samaritan, parable of the talents, and much more, when we realize that in God's sight, our money is actually a part of our spiritual lives as well, in which God is very much interested. When we really think about how valuable we are to God and how God treats those things which are valuable to God and therefore will treat and care for us, when we give more generously than we ever have before and take a risk in that direction, Jesus says, we'll find God's blessing. We'll grow in ways that we never have before. And our hearts will be changed. And we will become the people God wants us to be. And not just God wants us to be. You will become the person you ultimately want to be. This is what God will do for us as we give our lives and trust to the living God. No one, says Jesus, can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. Don't worry about your life. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is that true for us? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Know this profoundly and deeply in your heart that you are. And think about these things before God. When Jesus says, think about them in secret. He's saying, go before God in prayer. And whether you have much or whether you have little, this is for all of us. Just make this a matter of prayer before God. And life for God, for Jesus, and for good will be changed. Let us pray. Almighty God, we bow before you, from whom all blessings flow. Help us to live by what we say and what we sing and find great joy in our lives in this. As you have made us rich through Jesus Christ, help us to share what we have in your service. Amen.